Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. All right. It's going to be right in the middle here. Let's see. Okay, good. It's a little better. All right. Hey, open your Bibles if you could. I'm going to look at Isaiah 54 in just a moment. And uh, sorry, I was a little late getting here. I got off the wrong exit. I've been doing this for like 12 years. <laughs> Senior moment. I got off of the wrong exit. I thought, wait, this is not, oh, wrong exit. Shows you how deeply in thought I was. But two weeks ago, I preached on, uh, uh, we're, we're in a series right now called Strategies of War. There you go right there. And this is the third in the series. We're talking about various weapons, spiritual weapons. Of course, we affirmed about a month ago that our war is not flesh and blood war. This is not the Ukraine. Russia is not invading us. It's a horrible war. And we're praying for them all the time. And we're actually uh, moving into position of assisting, assisting in a very firsthand way on the border in Poland uh, to the couple million refugees that are coming out. We're partnering with the Catholic Church there. Uh, to do some things. We raised about $4,000 last week uh, just in a, a random kind of dollar offering online. Didn't even announce it. So if you'd like to be a part of that, you probably got an email if you're part of our community this past week. Feel free to help us out. We're sending some people there firsthand uh, from the church to go. Kim is praying about that right now. And Kim has gone to many places around the world where there's been difficulty. She's trained in trauma uh, trauma, uh, what would that's called? Trauma training, I guess. Trauma training with uh, Metro Hospital. And she's going to go there and minister to people. We're going to send her over there. That's going to happen probably in the next few weeks. We're getting all the approvals we need right now. So, uh, you know, the, we- the, the wars we fight are not physical wars. Yes, that does happen on planet Earth. And when it happens, we're going to try to be with people and help them. But spiritual warfare is kind of more common. Spiritual warfare, the Bible clarifies and says it's not flesh and blood, it's spiritual. And it, it has to do with pulling down mindsets, strongholds in our mind. And let me tell you something. Uh, you know, there's two different planes on earth. There's, there's a natural plane where some stuff happens in our life because of where we live and because of maybe who we live with. And, and it's problems and challenges. It could be financial, it could be physical, it could be many different things. And we work through together as brothers and sisters to help one another through those traumas. I announced out in Brunswick, I said, look, as you're getting older, you know, and, and you come to a moment where something happens in your life and you pass on to be with the Lord, we're gonna be there to help your family. We're gonna be there to support your family and pray and minister to them. We've tried to do that for the 25 years, and I think we've been pretty good at that, being there for people in some of their most difficult, darkest moments. And that's a challenge. Physical illness is a challenge. I've been through enough in my own life to know that with cancer and heart stuff and gallbladder and everything else. I mean, I've been through a lot of different things in my life, and, and I appreciate everyone supporting us in the midst of all those difficult times. But there are some attacks that can manifest as a physical attack or a financial attack that is not of this realm. How many of you have ever ever experienced something you felt was a hellish or demonic attack on your life? Raise your hand. Look at that. It's almost everyone around the room. We all experience it. 
And it takes the Spirit of God to discern in a situation, is this just a, a manifest uh, difficulty in your life? And how do we deal with that? By the way, they're dealt with in very similar, situ- in very similar ways. You know, you're going to pray for people, you're going to believe for God, but you're also going to maybe support them financially or help them out, cook them a meal, whatever, whatever helps out in a particular situation. Or help them out financially because they're in a financially dire situation. We do get a lot of people like that over these past several years, especially that are in financial difficulty. We try to help them. We work with Love, Inc. locally, who really is great at helping folks in situations like that. So you got to determine. I mean, your physical attack could be because of too much Taco Bell. God bless Taco Bell. (laughs) It could be what we eat. It could be our lifestyles. It could be lack of exercise. It could be a lot of different things. And I've been, I've been guilty of that myself over the years. Or it could be a demonic attack upon you or your family. And how do you deal with that? So I want to talk about that briefly this morning because Jesus gives us an amazing template of his life that we can follow and learn how to deal with something when we deal that this, we realize this is not just a normal Cleveland area, temporal realm attack on my life. It might even be self-imposed in some way. But this is a demonic action. It's got origins in hell. By the way, everything bad has origins in hell from the fall of man. So we know that your sickness is of the devil, no doubt. But is it a demonic entity that has specifically been assigned to attack your life? Probably not, but it could be. And if it is, we train up people through the two Kims, you know, Kim Snyder and Kim Banks, who help with areas like that to be able to discern strongholds and things in your life and how we might be able to, to deal with that. So in Isaiah 54, we get our first understanding that God is on this. And by the way, um, there is always an element of spiritual attack in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, I just, you know, I had cancer uh, first diagnosed back in 06. So then what is that? 16 years ago. Hard to believe. And I managed it for about six years. We prayed. We, you know, it was incurable, but it was uh, treatable. And so I went in every four, three months and got an IV treatment and kept it at bay. They said it's like weed whacking. You know, you're going to cut the weeds down, but they're going to grow back. And so that's, that was an ordeal for six years. But what it did was, and I never give glory to sickness, but what, God, what the devil intends for evil, God can make for something good. And he uses our difficulty, he uses our challenges in order to strengthen us. We're supposed to come out of it stronger than when we went in. That's the ideal. And so in that, I recognized it early on. I thought, this, you know, this is going to be something I've got to live with a little while. I'm going to learn how to fight it. And there's, if you've ever had cancer or some serious ailment, you know that you, you learn many methods of counterattacking the enemy that is coming against you, be it a physical disease or be it the devil himself or one of his minions that he sends out to, to try to torment us in some way. And so, you know, uh, periodically now, because uh, it blew up in 2012 and, and I had to have stem cell transplant, went through a huge battle. It was probably about six, seven months long and ended up really being a year of challenging battle. You were there with me. I've got video of the Sunday I returned, which was Easter Sunday, uh, 2013. And uh, we played the Tom Petty song, uh, 
back me up at the gates of hell or uh, gates of hell and I won't back down. It was powerful. And, uh, and I, I preached that Sunday uh, 48 pounds lighter than when I went in. I was at my sophomore high school weight, 130, I forget now what it was, 132 pounds, I think, something like that. I was very thin. I was very weak. I could hardly preach, but I felt like Easter Sunday. I want to preach. So I came out and preached. And, and I want to tell you that to get to that, there was a thousand little miracles that happened. I mean, there, there was, there's so many things that could go wrong, and many of them do go wrong in the process of chemotherapy and, and you know, stem cell transplant and so forth. And so I learned to battle hard. I learned to battle because I learned to battle in times of great weakness. And let me tell you, some of your greatest strength is in your weak times. That time when you say, I just can't do anymore, you, you can you can, and it may just be standing and saying, I, I refuse to back. I think that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake, wake up in heaven someday saying, oh, oh I got here. I was refused. I thought I was still on earth, you know? I mean, there's going to be that transition that I go into heaven standing against the powers of darkness, and maybe someday that's going to be one of my rewards is uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord, you know? And so since then, I battle things. I mean, they're periodically, and it comes, it's like every six, to, six months to a year, you get a pain in your body that feels similar to cancer. Now, I know what cancer feels like, and I know what it feels like in different parts of my body, because I had stage three that became stage four right when I went in, where it reached my bones. And it was, it was everywhere. I mean, it was pain everywhere. And I'd have these phantom pains and, you know, rib and, and uh, abdominal and all over. And, and so over the years, you know, you slowly kind of get out of that consciousness that you're, you're being healed, you're being restored, you know. And just about a month ago, I got one of those pains and I thought, oh, no, 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 no. And man, and I put, I put all, I didn't tell anyone except my wife, obviously, but I, I put all my fortitude in fighting it. And I said, I resist this. And I, mean, you know, I did all the speaking and declaring. I still went through medical processes to define what it was and had a CAT scan this week. And uh, uh, they, they really thought it could be a return of the cancer. And it was not. In fact, I read the CAT scan. Yeah. That was really good. That's a good day. I read the CAT scan, and it was unusually detailed. I don't know if you know read CAT scans before, but they're hard to understand because they use some words that are scary, you know. But they uh, they uh, their positive is negative, their negative is positive. You know, we know that. But uh, uh, I read through it, and it, it it gave commentary on all my organs, you know, and say, oh, the kidney looks great, you know, it's not nothing, you know, and and good condition, you know, all this kind of stuff. It did say in there that I was getting older. Well, <laughs> There's a degeneration of bones, you know? I thought, yeah, well, okay, I get that. You know, they, they've said it before, and they'll say it probably in the future, so. But anyway, the, the general uh, organs, muscle tissue, everything else was, was all good. And so I, I celebrated that. I thought, all right. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was there that now is not there. I don't know if this is a, 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 a false... Uh, I don't know. I just know what it felt like, and I know that it, it was painful, and I know that it persisted for two months. And so it's funny, since the CAT scan, it, the pain has left. It's strange. Because CAT scans do not heal. CAT scans reveal. And so it's like, uh, now the mind game is over, the pain leaves. I, I don't understand that, but I'll tell you this. 
A lot of what you feel is in your head. Turn to the person next to you and say, it could just be in your head. Just tell them that. <laughs> so, and when it's not, we're going to deal with it. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to come against the powers of darkness. Why? Because we've been given authority in the name of Jesus Christ. God's called us to stand against these things, even though they may be very serious or they might be very light. We are, we are authorized by the blood of Jesus Christ to literally stand with our friends and say, let's get this thing dealt with in Jesus' name, whether it's a physical thing or whatever. So Isaiah 54 says this in verse 17. It says, no weapon, everyone say no weapon, <laughs> formed against you, let's say that too, shall prosper. Meditate on that a minute. Nothing. Nothing that the enemy or any earthly entity brings against you can prosper in the presence of God. And we have a decision to make. Will we let that prosper? It can, if you don't fight against it. And fighting against it isn't yelling at somebody. It's not even really yelling at the devil. Although you can do that sometimes. I have. It's not about how loud your voice is because actually you can fight the devil with a whisper when it's in authority and you're using the word of God. It says, so no weapon formed against you will prosper. That's a relief. And this is in the Old Testament. A lot of people excuse the Old Testament. I want to let you know the Old Testament is all that Jesus knew. On Old Testament scriptures, the Torah, he, he had it in his spirit from study over a 30-year period before he became a rabbi and walked around and began to minister and, and talk with people. The word of God is in him. That's why you need the Bible. The Bible is supernatural in power. The word of God shapes your thinking, shapes your very heart. If it's not there, he will still move on you. He'll still minister through you. But the word of God is a weapon against darkness in your life. And I'll show you that in just a moment. So no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue, it's interesting that it's a tongue. It's the most powerful weapon that a person has is what they say. It can be used for good, can be used for evil. With the same mouth we bless people, the same mouth we curse people, says in Scripture. I mean, there's power to tear someone's life down. We call it canceling someone right now. You can cancel someone with your tongue. And there will be people that try to cancel you throughout your lifetime. There will be people like the story of Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the wall, doing righteously what God called him to do. Two guys named Samballat and Tobiah. Never name your children after these guys. <laughs> Samballat and Tobiah spoke with words to try to tear him down and he would not come off the wall. He said, I cannot come off the wall because I've got to do the work that God has called me to do. So when they couldn't do that, they sought to kill him. Isn't it funny how it escalates? Words are murderous. Words can destroy that's why Christians need to learn that the words are, the evil, difficult words are not meant to be in our mouth, with an exception that you're coming against the powers of darkness. You can speak the power of God and judgment upon them in Jesus' name, and that they flee. For the Bible says that if you resist the devil, right before that, though, it says, draw nigh unto God. It says, draw nigh unto God, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. So that submission to the Lord Jesus Christ grants you whatever it is you need, that authority, that sense, that feel that you get when you say, I've got this battle. I can win this battle. Then you speak with authority against the devil because it says right here, I love this passage. It is so good. It's so good. It's, it's in the Old Testament. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment. That's canceling. What's the other terms we use now? Uh, unfriending. Yeah, you've had some of that, haven't you? I've had unfriending. It says this. It says this. You should just take it and realize it's an attack of the enemy. No. No, it says every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. You know what the Hebrew word is there? You probably know. It's rasha. Rasha is judgment. You should condemn it. When something rises against you, you condemn it. Yeah, I don't believe you just cancel people. If someone says something against me that is spiteful, you know, if I don't, if I don't know them and they're just, you know, trolls out there coming, you know, on to say something about Benny Hinn, you know, everyone's, if you go to, it's kind of funny on Bethel Cleveland, everyone's coming out against Benny Hinn. And then when I hear it, I think, this is going to be a great conference. I love that. I love that scene in the, in the Chosen where they get to this guy's house and the disciples are going to stay in this house. You remember this, Ryan? They get to this guy's house and they said, by the way, one of the rooms upstairs has some kind of a weird yeah, evil entity in it. Jesus goes, I'll take that room. <laughs> you know, it's not scripture, it's chosen. But I thought that's probably the way Jesus was. Show me where the devils are. That's where I want to go. And I think a believer that knows their authority in Jesus Christ, they don't, they don't run away from this kind of stuff. They know how to condemn it. They know how to come and rebuke it. They know how to resist the devil and he will flee. And so you condemn it, Russia. Everyone say Russia. Russia. It sounds like, a, sounds like it has force to it, doesn't it? Russia. This is the heritage or the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. Do you know part of your inheritance is already here? We say, oh, when I get to heaven, I think God's going to have a mansion for me. He's going to have a Tesla for me. He's going you know, to have whatever it is you dream that's going to be in heaven. But the truth is, here on earth, God has already given you authority. And then says, you rebuke that thing. Russia it. Russia it. Well, why? Lord, really? Can I? It's your inheritance, son. It's your inheritance, daughter. I give you permission. That's not about judging people. Some people operate with spirits in them. It's not them. It's a spirit. So you can get angry at them and it's not going to do a thing. You got to rebuke the, en the enemy that's behind that person. And that person, according to the Bible, you love your enemies. Oh. So we've got this thing. I know it's, it's floating around in our circles. You know, someone offends me. Someone, you know, I've approached them several times. I should never be associated with again. So you cut them out of the loop. Whatever your loop is, they're not in it anymore. And I'm thinking, well, that's a shame. I've kept a lot of my enemies in my loops. You know, maybe not, I've not seen them every day or even once a month, but they're there. And you know, I, I, every time I get a chance, especially when they come against me, I think, how could I bless that person? Well, what could I do? Because see, love is a weapon that is so powerful that it transforms your enemies. It doesn't, it doesn't silence your enemies. It transforms them. So Jesus goes to an extreme that none of us ever think about. He says, you know, he says, he says, love your enemies. He said, love your neighbor. I can get into that. I got good neighbors. 
easy to love. I mean, my neighbor blows my driveway off of snow even when I'm not there. You know, one time I was on vacation and got a big snow here and I came back, my, my driveway was clean. I knew it was Bill. I went to Bill and said, Bill, did you snow blow my driveway? He said, yeah. I said, you didn't need to do that. You knew I was on vacation for two weeks. He said, yeah, I know. I thought about that. And he said, you know what? Your, your daughter, which is true, your daughter and her kids like to come over while you're gone and rob my pantry and things like that, you know. And I, I thought, well, that's very observant. He goes, so I knew that I didn't want her to get stuck in your driveway. Who is this neighbor? You'd want him. You're not getting him. I'm not going to let him go. But, so it's easy for me to love my neighbor, but few of us think about loving our enemies. So we rebuke the force that's behind it, but we stand in love toward them and think, we're gonna, I'm going to win that person. I think the Lord brought them into my life for a reason. Think about it. Think about it that way. That they're a gift of God, this enemy. And they're actually speaking some truth that you probably need to hear that none of your friends are telling you. They're speaking something where you go, you know what, I need to examine my heart to see if what they're saying, it's in the wrong attitude, they shouldn't say it in this, in this venue, but hey, they said something, and I've heard a number of people say that about me throughout my life. Sometimes I connect the dots of my enemies, and I get a path for victory through Jesus Christ. Think about it. Your enemy might be your friend someday. I've thought of several people I didn't like at first glance. You know, you meet somebody and you go, huh, yeah, yeah, it seemed all right. What'd you think of? Well, you know, I don't know. My wife talks to you about it. Yeah, no, there's good. I mean, you know, it's not someone I want to go on vacation with. But yeah, sure, I'll wave to them, you know, periodically or whatever, you know. I found out over and over again through my life, some of these people end up being my best friends. How many of you know that, that judging at first sight is not really God? <laughs> it's not. One person, raise their hand, Allison, thank you. It's not, it's not. I mean, you've got to get a little deeper there, get to know them, take them out for a meal. You're going to love them. You know, you have a great time together. Get some wings, it heals everything. All right, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. I like that, it's powerful. God has given us something very, you know, when I was fighting cancer back, it was probably about 07. I was in England. I'll show you the battle, how the, how the enemy seeks to control your thinking. And I was over there, of course, I was getting treated quarterly, you know, and I was feeling pretty good, you know, uh, not the best. Only when I went through stem cell transplant five years later did I realize that I was not living fully up to the strength that I thought I had. I just had a lot of enthusiasm. I'd do anything, I'd volunteer for anything, and so I was doing good. But later on, I realized good was not best, and there was a better place. But I'm over there, and we are out in the country in, in South uh, West England, I think we were in the, it doesn't matter. I know where we were. It was way, way southwest, south of Bath, which we're ministering. We're on a retreat, a spiritual retreat, probably about 50 people there, and they're all on the floor. And they're on the floor because the Holy Spirit was moving with power. And I'm the speaker, you know, so I'm there, I'm there sitting. I just spoke, you know, and it was a holy moment. God was moving, had some music on. And, and you know, they were using a computer uh, to project uh, you know, up on the screen, the songs and that. But because no one was manning the computer, everyone was on the floor, the computer goes into screen mode. Screen mode actually is 
in their particular computer, they got words that they were learning, new words that they were learning that would float up on the screen. You know how that works. And so I thought, well, that's odd, you know, and I'm just watching it and see what words pop up. You know, everyone else laying on the floor. I'm just sitting there, kind of sitting in the presence of God, watching this big screen that has these dictionary words floating across it. Two words popped up. One was lymphatic, lymphatic, which was the kind of cancer I had. The second one was hoodoo. Thought hoodoo. Of course, I looked it up, and it represents witchcraft. And it kept floating across the screen. Now we're here in the presence of God. There could have been ten thousand words that come up on the screen, but the two that were picked were lymphatic and witchcraft. Hoodoo, going back and forth. They would disappear, and then they would come up on the screen. I look at it. I thought, what the, was that? And I realized the Lord was revealing a strategic attack in my life, because I've been managing the cancer, but what I didn't know is it was about to blow up. And when it blew up, it was gonna be all over my body. And so there's, there's a fair war. I, do you understand there's a spiritual warfare? I know some don't realize this, but if I can convince you today, I hope I do, but there's a spiritual warfare, but God will reveal secrets in the midst of it so that you can prepare for a battle or you can begin the battle or you can rebuke it from that point on. So when everyone got up, I said, look, I told them a story. Look, I've been struggling with cancer several years now. Uh, it's lymphoma. It's not Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, these are the two words that came up on a screen. They were like appalled at that. You know, they're apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry, those two. I said, you don't have any choice of what words come up on the screen. I got, you know, they said, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get usually encouraging words that come up there and I'm learning, you know, from the dictionary and everything else. And I said, yeah, but lymphatic and hoodoo are pretty uh, interesting words in light of my situation. And they got into it, man. These English people begin to pray with such fervency. They put me in the middle of a circle. They laid hands on me. And, you know, I experienced... A, a, very difficult things in my life in the years ahead. But the Lord gave me strength in that moment to walk through the valley of the shadow of death all the way through to sitting in the presence of my enemies and enjoying a meal together on the other side. So, now I can tell you story after story, but this is not story time. This is Sunday morning. But story after story where the Lord has given me indicators of things that are either in my life or coming into my life. You know what I'm talking about, Kim, right? It, to give you the time to get the proper weapons out to rebuke this. And of course, Kim was with me and many other, Kim and Carl and others, just praying and we broke through that thing and, and got out on the other side. I would like to say unscathed, but it was a challenging, a challenging time. Why? Why? But because we are learning how to fight the powers of darkness. And sometimes in this realm, we will lose that battle. And in the case of physical things, people do pass on, and we know that. But we are going to fight to the last minute. I tell you, when Kathy was in the hospital this week, I was fervently praying for her. And, and someone said, well, I, you know, I feel I saw something that she's going to pass on. And I said, that may be true. But right now is not the time to talk about that. Right now, we are in war. We are fighting. Once she passes on, we'll praise God. I'll rejoice that absent from the body present with the Lord. But we will fight. You know what? When you're going through a battle, we're going to fight with you. We're going to fight with you because we believe no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It's interesting that sometimes demonic attacks come through physical means. You know, Satan afflicted Job with sores all over his body. And Job still stood strong. 
And he put the pressure on, put the pressure on, hoping that Job would break. And you could argue, if you've read all of Job, you could argue maybe, you know, Job had issues. Of course he did, we all have issues. But you know what his first response was when the words came of all the difficulty and all the challenge? He fell down and worshiped the Lord. You see the core of someone when they face a difficult time and they fall down and worship the Lord. Did you know that when people are delivered from demonic attack, healing can also occur in that moment? Do you know scripturally eight times in the gospels, healing occurs, when healing occurs, when a demon is being cast out, there's 22 healing stories in the New Testament, in, in the gospels, I should say. 22 healing stories, eight of them, Healing comes with the rebuking of a spirit. Yeah. Did you know that the wind and the waves that were out in the, in the great uh, storm that was on the sea of Galilee and Jesus was in the boat sleeping, why was he sleeping? He's sleeping because he's the ultimate rest. In fact, it wakes up, the disciples wake him up because they we're gonna perish. Funny, it doesn't say that we're, we're afraid you're gonna perish. They knew Jesus would be okay. <laughs> he brought his snorkeling gear or whatever, I don't know. But they said, we were going to perish. So they wake him up and, and, and he rebukes the storm and uses the same word that he uses when he casts a demon out of a person. He rebukes the storm and the wind and the wind. And they were amazed. They said, oh, even the wind and the waves obey him. They're shocked by it. And Jesus is, <laughs> Jesus is a bit dismayed that, that they didn't do it. You know, they should have just rebuked the storm because he was training and teaching them in the supernatural. In Acts 10, it says this. I, and I, I quoted this out in Brunswick, actually, during our worship time. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, remember, Jesus is our prototype. He is our exemplar. He's the one we follow. Jesus told all the disciples, the first thing he said to them, follow me, follow me. Well, he later told them, come to me. Anytime you need anything, bring it to me. Cast your burdens upon me, for I care for you. Uh, follow me. Come to me. And then ultimately, he said this. He said, learn of me. Learn of me. He is called the second Adam in Scripture in Romans. The first Adam brought death, the Adam and Eve guy. The first Adam brought death. The second Adam, Jesus, brought life. The first Adam brought condemnation. The second Adam brought resurrection and justification, forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. So you can decide, am I following the first Adam that leads to death and sin, or am I following the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who brings us in resurrection life and walks as we walk. He had no special advantage as a son of God becoming a man. It infers that in Philippians 2. It says he took off his, his divine giftings, his access into the heavens, other than what someone who lives by faith can access. Read it in Philippians 2. It's pretty fascinating. Where he humbled himself and became like a man. So you imagine God becoming a man? What, would, what a shock would that be when you wake up in the morning? Like, whoa, this is actually very limiting. <laughs> when you hold the universe in your hands, you know. Did you know that some believe that even when he died, I don't know if I believe this or not, but it's interesting. Some believe that even when he died, he was in faith believing that his father and the Holy Spirit would remember him and resurrect him. That's faith. 
God going to a physical death, silencing everything, believing that his father said, I will be with you. Especially when he had just turned his back because of the sins of all of generations and all of creation that came upon Jesus, he became sin for us so that the very shed blood of Jesus Christ can redeem us into a life of not having to live like Adam lived, but now living and following Jesus Christ in our lives. So the, the God anointed Jesus. He's anointed you also, according to, to Isaiah 61. Has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good. This is a template for each one of us. Went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Oppressed. The Greek word there says dominated. Dominated by the devil. For God was with him. Did you know there is an attempt to dominate your life by hell itself? You say, oh, I'm not going to stand a chance. Oh yeah, you do. Because you are touched by the Holy Spirit of God. His resurrection power is upon your life. And Jesus learned to move according to the Spirit. The Bible says he was led into, you know, when he got baptized, the very Spirit of God came down upon him. You know, it says like a dove. It's not, it wasn't a dove. People always see a dove above his head. It wasn't a dove. It was the Holy Spirit. But he came like a dove would. And he came with gentleness down upon his head. And the heavens opened up and God, every one of us need a moment like that. That's why I love these conferences. Conferences are kind of like Old Testament feasts and festivals. A lot of feasting, you know, yeah. pizza and things like that, you know. <laughs> but it's like an Old Testament festival where you get together to, to, for, a, for a holiday, you know, Pentecost or whatever it might be. And our conferences are kind of like that. We come together to celebrate, to be together in Christ, to let God reveal himself in, in a corporate body. There's something powerful about being with corporate body of Christians that are going after God also. It's beyond the individual connection that you have with the Lord. It breaks things out of your life, you know. So I love conferences. I love laying on the floor. I love just soaking in the presence of God, you know. It's just like, it's like a Holy Spirit moment. And in that moment, God speaks things into your life. So it's interesting, Jesus did that, and then he comes out full of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He leads him into the wilderness to be tempted of the evil one. It's God that leads you out. And sometimes it's God to lead you in. He leads you into difficult moments. And so much so in James, it says, uh, what does it say in James? It says, uh, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. So as a believer, you, as a believer walking in the spirit, this is your weapon. Joy, by the way, is a powerful weapon. I could preach a whole series on it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so you move in joy. Even when you hit with bad news, I understand things can give you a bit of a gut punch, but you respond back in joy. You respond like Job that bows down before the Lord and begins to worship the Lord. And that joy increases your strength. And you move through the wilderness. And as you move through the wilderness, I, I love seeing these pictures where you know, some superhero gets empowered and you can just see the, the vibe of empowerment coming off of them like <laughs> Superman going into the phone booth that we don't have it anymore. That's probably why we don't have Superman, but <laughs> the Hulk, you know, where you see it just, it's right. It's that kind of a thing. You come into difficulties and you feel the empowerment of God because in weakness, you feel strength and you rise up. And Jesus did in the three great temptations, 
this 40-day period where he wasn't eating. And the devil came in and tried to attack him physically, tempt him physically, uh, solely, and spiritually. He was looking for him to, to deny God and follow him. How stupid. But he did it. You know, and he's going to work in your life that way. Just give up where you are. You could have been much more successful if you didn't have done that Jesus thing. I mean, you'd already be at the top of the game. You'd be blessed. You'd be, yeah, but you'd also be going to hell. And so he rebukes them with the Torah. So that's why it's so important to read Scripture all the time. I read Scripture just about every day of my life. I've got a daily devotional. It takes through the Old Testament, New Testament. I go through, I have my breakfast. I take my breakfast upstairs into my office. I sit in my office. I read scripture for about 20, 25, 30 minutes, somewhere around there. And I'm, what I'm doing is I'm feeding my soul. Sometimes I remember it, sometimes I don't. But I know this, that it comes out in times and moments that I'm in battle. It's like, whoa, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna say, but the scripture says this, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The scripture says, man does not live by bread alone alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I've had to get a number of those scriptures into my heart to be able to fight. That's what Jesus did. And you know what the Bible said? He goes in to the wilderness in the spirit, led by the spirit. 40 days, whoo, Rocky, 40 days, rebuking the devil, getting him out of the way. This says, he, I love this in scripture, it says he comes out in the power of the spirit. I don't care what you're going through. I can tell you what the destiny of what you're going through is. You are meant to come out victorious on the other side. That's what Jesus does. But you need scripture. You need the word of God. You need the Torah in your heart. And finally, finally, Jesus comes out, you know, of that, that uh, powerful temptation that he went in. And you know what the first thing he did was? I'm just going to, in fact, let's all stand up together. Stand up. I'm three minutes over. I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. <laughs> Luke 4 says this. No, I don't want to read that. I don't want to say it. Luke 4 says something really good. Yeah, Luke 4 does say this. Verse 16. And he came to Nazareth. This is after he was in the wilderness. He came to Nazareth. Remember now he's full of the Holy Spirit. Woo, he's moving. He just came through a 40-day temptation. He's eating a bagel. Excited to be done with the fast. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Fascinating Greek word there. You know what the word means? Stiffened. It's where he had been stiffened. That's what being brought up's all about. It's giving you boundaries. It's giving you an understanding. It stiffens you like strength, strong. Okay. Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature with God and man. That's what being brought up is all about. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Okay, here's the bottom line. What did Jesus do after he comes out of one of the worst temptations of his life up to that time? Victorious, comes out in the power of spirit. He went to church. He went to church. He went to the local place where he learned about God. The church, the synagogue. They called it a synagogue back then. He went to church and in the church, he participates. He stands up, which was his right to do. He was serving in some way. He was reading scripture. He opens the scripture. And in the church, everyone say in the church. In the church. Good, thank you. In the church. He's there. He stands up, reads from scripture. What happens? His identity 
gets attached to him. He reads out of Isaiah 61. He opens it up and says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it became personal. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight of the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed or crushed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and the eyes of everyone there in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he said to them today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's mine. And this is fascinating. There are some theologians, say it, call it crazy if you want. They believe that Jesus so limited in himself that it was at this point in the synagogue, I'm not sure if I believe it or not, but I, I think it's a viable theory, that it was at this point he had so limited himself living in the flesh, learning how to walk by faith, so truly every believer after him could walk in the same faith he walked in because he had no special advantage other than what God gave him like he gives you. Keep up with that? <laughs> They said in that moment, it could be. Even though he had the heavens open up and a voice spoke to him in that moment, he understood his destiny. I'm a preacher. It's gonna release people from bondage. And you know what the church did? They didn't clap their hands. They took him out and tried to throw him over a cliff. There's a lesson in that. It's another sermon for another day. So just because you're like, woo! God's touched me, powerful, I gotta call. Well, your friends may not accept that right away. And the Bible says he walked through the crowd and he went on his way, healing the sick, doing good, supernatural workings in his life. So what do you need? You need the church, you need the place that's not gonna throw you over the cliff. We're gonna end that part. But it's gonna allow you to begin to find out who you are. In Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray all across this room, your power, the Spirit of God right now. Oh man, I can feel the Spirit of God so strong. We had a great time in Brunswick. I didn't even get to speak out there. I mean, it was a, a move of the Spirit of God that's on our body right now, including this campus in Akron. So Lord, right now, I just ask Holy Spirit, come and power. And Lord, we say right now, identities will be understood. Breaking off chains will be understood. Authority in Jesus Christ, not because I'm a big guy, I'm tough, I can do this, I know the, I know Kung Fu or whatever it is. It's none of that stuff. It's about what has been given us and what we are declared inside. You are a son and daughter of God and you have authority in the house of God and in this world because you are sons and daughters of the living God. So what do we do? We go out there and we tear down strong. We go after demonic things. We say, no, 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 not on my block. Not in my neighborhood, not in my city, not in my country. No, 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 no. We, we will fight it. You may not see us in the street with weapons, but trust me, we are fighting this thing. We are walking every day. That's what I do every morning when it's, when it's good weather. I walk in the streets of my city in Brunswick. I walk around, I pray, I wait on God, I hear His voice. It's funny how you can walk by certain houses and sense what's going on. Say, Lord, peace. I speak peace. Sometimes I'll stick one foot on their property just to say I'm there on the property. I say, because I believe in the power of the Spirit. I'll step foot on the grass and say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, heal this house. Heal this house. We have a lot of Christians in our neighborhood over the 25 years that I've lived there. So, Lord, I bless these warriors right now. 
that we will not war flesh and blood. We will not cancel or not rebuke people just because we're angry at them. Lord, instead, I pray for the Spirit of God to take over every individual here. In the name of Jesus, you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ. I've got good news. Jesus is here to bring you into the kingdom. And real quick across this room, you say, I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. I want to pray for you. So right now, real quick, we're on time because I'm nine minutes over. Raise your hand around the room, though, if you say, that's me. I do not know Jesus Christ, but I want to know him. Anyone raise your hand and keep it raised just for a moment. I don't want to miss anyone on my right or left here. Thank you in the back. God bless you. See that. Anyone else over here on my right, your left? I don't want to miss you. In a minute, after we finish, I invite you to come up to our team up here in the front. They're great people. We train them. They're kind. They're gentle. They just want to talk with you and pray with you, and we'll give you a book that will help you on your way. Over here in this left side, your right, anyone here that does not know Jesus Christ, raise your hand real quick. Just raise it up. I'm going to pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but I do want you to boldly come into the kingdom of God by just saying, I raise my hand saying, I'm with Jesus. Right now, over here in this section, I don't want to miss anyone. Just raise your hand real quick. Okay, good. Yeah, that one to raise your hand. God bless you. Right now, we just offer up to heaven, Lord, you see the heart. As they cry out to you and say, Jesus, I need you. I pray, Lord, you would fill them powerfully as they make that step and come up here after the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.